right, guys, welcome into the fans only meeting. Chris, how you doing this week? Better, best. I'm best of all season today. This is the best week of 2020 for me. I know you had your first child this year, but like other than that, like this is like been like the best week of 2020 for me. So like I'm super happy right now. Yeah, man, I'm I'm light on my feet. I'm feeling spry like a cat. The internet is a good place for me again. Like Tiger Droppings <laughs> has lost its luster because it's not just like a wallowing pit of sorrow. Like people are acting happy on it and that's just disgusting to me so yeah man this is awesome i love to win it's so good it's it's incredible but okay let's talk about the other game that wasn't quite as interesting and then we'll come back to this game and we can talk about it for a long time uga versus missouri it was uh it was a hell of a game in the first half that it was saving that the morning slate completely which were all blowouts and this one ended up being that yeah man they hung with them and they looked like I mean, what we've been saying about Missouri all season is like, dude, they're playing hard. Eli Drinkwitz has them where he wants them. Um, they didn't have the athletes to stick with them for a whole game, but like they came out and kind of like we maybe predicted that they would punch them in the mouth and surprise them. But yeah, there were some Georgia fans, I'm sure, that were sweating that first half. And like, you know, it's just uh, they didn't, it was kind of fool's gold. They scored on a, uh, they, they scored on a drive that was aided by a massive trick play. And then they scored later on that drive and they scored after a blocked punt. Um, I, I can't remember they scored on offense or if they actually scored on the punt play, but that was what got the game close. And then other than that, they really didn't move the ball that much. And Georgia's just, their defense is insane. And it's crazy what this team could have been had JT Daniels been playing the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> He can friggin' spin the ball, man. He's got a nice-looking throw. Um, but the only thing that stood out to me about JT Daniels was I, I witnessed, like, either the halftime – I know it must have been a post-game interview with him. He's so dry. He is so boring. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a quarterback. <laughs> he's a quarterback, He's but he's like a Cali bro dry. He's like, yeah, man, it was just it – was, it was fun. It was good. We just got my team out there. Like, he didn't even throw any references to like, fish tacos or getting pitted. Um, nothing. <laughs> but, yeah, he, I mean, he is – he's got the makeup of the SEC quarterback, especially following Jake Fromm, who is also, like, pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be super interested to see if he comes back. So he is draft eligible. But if he comes back, Georgia next year is primed and ready to make a big, big push. Can you imagine how good they would have been? If uh, his name is escaping me right now, Newman, Newsom, that other quarter transfer Jamie quarterback. Newman. Yeah, if, if he hadn't have opted out. They, 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 they are the most talented team in the SEC outside of Alabama. Like, they're incredible. Yeah, and they're in that conversation with Alabama, too. I mean, they're, they've been good. They've been in the conversation for the last five years. But, like, dude, this feels like a building year for them, and they're going to be kind of – Something to uh, they're gonna be trouble next year for sure. Yeah, it, it it all hinges on JT though. He doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. I don't know how great they're gonna be, but okay, this game was like a thirty point game, so let's not spend too much time on it. it was the only ranked matchup in the conference, but let's get down to the fun game. Uh, oh, yeah. Some people I'm, are calling it the cleat game. I've seen the cleat yeet. Um, they're the fog bowl, all that fun stuff. LSU goes into the swamp and 
wins as a 23-point underdog. Holy shit. Yeah, man. That that game epitomized why college football is so fun. Like, that should not have been a close game. But we've got, no. like, we've got internet memes abound. A name that's incredible and as timeless as the cleat yeet. I mean, oh, it was it was awesome. Like it just it's it's made my whole week. It's coming up on Christmas. I love Christmas. That made the whole season. Like, man, this is a reason to be merry for sure. LSU, LSU just made a lot of people's Christmas, a lot of LSU fans' Christmas for sure. The LSU fought, man. Florida Florida fought too, but Florida had a lot to fight for. LSU didn't, and LSU fought. They fought for Brian, and they came out on top, and it was very cool to see. I've heard a lot of people talking about, should we keep Bo Pelini? What are we doing? What's the play? No is the answer. No. No. <laughs> Buy that man out. We had three turnovers. We scored all those turnovers. But at the end of the day, defense still gave up 600 yards. Yeah, man. That was like – oh, yeah, it's just so – kind of piggybacking on your fighting conversation, like what we wanted to see was just something out of this LSU team that wasn't giving up. Like they've given up for every other game this year. And man, they fought the whole game. I don't know if that's because it was backups finally getting a chance because we were so depleted or what, but like they fought, they played hard. It was awesome. But then, yeah, yeah. that the, the whole game, I mean, we won. So we went in there and got the W. But then like looking at the stat line, we still gave up 600 yards. Kyle Trask still cut through us like butter. So Bo Pelini still looks like, you know, dog food. He's trash. We still got to get rid of him. So like, it's like perfect situation. Well, it's, it's really, really good players like Eli Ricks figuring out how to play their best ball in this scheme, but they're not being utilized to the best of their abilities. They're just, they're just good players. And they, and, and they, Eli Ricks is a true freshman baiting Kyle Trask into throwing the ball that he picked off and turned around into a pick six. Like that's something that a veteran player does, not a true freshman. He's just a really good player who's figuring out how to play in this system. Yeah, they're making plays in spite of the scheme, in spite of Bo Pelini. Right, exactly. But look, Eli, back to Eli Ricks. Whenever he got that pick six and then pushed Jay Ward out <laughs> of his way to stare down Kyle Trask, before going into the end zone. Like, that is the swaggiest, cockiest, best play ever. I loved it. I loved it. Eli Ricks is very quickly endearing himself to me and I'm sure many other LSU fans is like, he's going to, if he could, if he keeps it up, he's going to be a fan favorite for a long time coming. And like, I've never seen that. So his other pick six, he turned around and did the Tyreek Hill cheetah. This was like unheard of. He found the quarterback and was like, Yep. Hey, bud. I saw a meme on the internet today because this game just produced nothing but internet memes. But I saw a meme on the internet today that just said, when a true freshman intercepts you, walks into the end zone and stares you down, you've officially sacrificed all of your rights to the high school trophy. <laughs> yeah, don't, even, don't even look at it. No, no. That's Joe Burrow's You don't, you don't even no, belong. No. <laughs> well, it's well, Let's talk about Dan Mullen for a second. Let's close this game out with that, man. He is – I love Dan Mullen. I think he's a good guy, and I think he's he's entertaining. But, dude, he's acting a fool about this cleat throwing penalty. 
Yeah, um, you know, I watched it. I watched the film, and you know, I gotta say, I agree with him. It was a football move. <laughs> um, and it got up with a little bit of excessive celebration with a you know nice simple cleat yeet, twenty <laughs> yards down the field. I mean, what's that? What's what's the point of throwing a flag? I mean, but he. I just love it. He's gone through. First, he acted like he didn't see it and like it shouldn't have been a penalty. And then, you know, he got 24 hours underneath his belt. And he's like, you know what? That that did look pretty bad, but maybe I can explain it away. And then he said it was a football move. Um, it's just awesome. It's great. He has yet to admit that it was like a, a boneheaded play and Marcus Wilson should have known better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure by closed doors, he's, he's getting it. He's yeah. getting the business. But, like, the fact that he's still out here trying to sell – sands in a desert that that wasn't a bad play is insane i mean it's hilarious yeah all right let's let's do sec championship yeah so this week this week we decided we were going to do similar to the uh to the great outdoors cocktail party large big world's biggest i'm not even saying right the world's largest outdoor cocktail party (laughs) and just focus on the sec championship game it's a tongue twister sorry guys um and so we decided to do two interviews covering the Florida Alabama matchup. What's your thoughts on this game, Chris? Yeah. So of course, LSU kind of played spoiler and uh, the storylines aren't as good as they could have been, but you know, they're still good. I mean, this is two of the most electric offenses that the SEC has ever seen. Um, You know, two defenses that are maybe weaker than they typically are for these two teams. So like, it's still going to be a fun game. It's still going to probably look like a Big 12 championship game rather than an SEC championship game. Um, talented players all over the field. So, like, uh, don't don't be fooled by the fact that Florida's got two losses. Yeah. And Wesley said it in our first interview in this game from the Roll Bama Roll podcast. He's like, look, yeah, we've, you know, really – it appears like we've righted the ship on, on defense, but we have not played an elite offense since the Ole Miss game. We're Ole Miss put up almost 700 yards of offense. We have not played an offense remotely close to that. This is our first real test, and um, there are some Alabama fans that are pretty, pretty apprehensive about this because this is without a doubt their biggest test. Florida's offense is legit, and Kyle Trask is legit. I know Scott's really sad about it, but – you know, he is incredible. He still put up 600 yards against LSU, like with no running game really to speak of. So like Florida's offense is a real offense. They know what, they know how to score. They know what they're really good at and they can put scores up on, uh, put points on the board. Chris, the over under in this football game is 74 and a half. What the hell? This is the SEC. I thought. Yeah, man. If you would have told me in 2000, I don't know, like 10 or 2008 when Florida and Alabama squared off in the SEC championship game and everybody was claiming like, no, that's the real national championship. The BCS game is just kind of like a, a dessert um, that the, you know, in 10 years, the over under would be set at 74 and a half. I would say like, get out of town. You're, you're crazy. You're taking crazy pills. Um, Any game that Nick Saban is involved in the over under being 74 and a half is just like, if you would have told me that back then early 2010s, I would have told you to pound sand. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, get out of town. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. Uh, it, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be like I'm fully bought. I used to love defensive struggles and defensive football games, but I'm all in on offense now. It's way more exciting. Yeah, and 
and on the offensive side, on both on both teams, you have Heisman front runners. I mean, the three Heisman front runners are all going to be playing in Atlanta on a fast track. You got Kyle Trask from Florida, who was the front runner before he played LSU and that vaunted defense and just gave up 600 yards. And, uh, and then, you know, he, he didn't have his best game, but he still threw like three or four touchdowns and he threw for 500 yards. Like he had three interceptions, but he's still very much in the race. And if he outplays Mac Jones by enough, even in a loss, they, he still could win the Heisman. Mac Jones is now the front runner, but like, Mac Jones has all the weapons in the world. I mean, Devontae Smith, his number one receiver, is number two in the Heisman race right now. Yeah, we, we touched on it. Those two Alabama players are taking votes away from each other to the point where, you know, Kyle Trask did enough against LSU to still be right in it. And if he just – all he has to do is beat the guy across the, the field from him in that one game, and I think he's got the award wrapped up. So, like, that's a very intriguing storyline this week too. So, I mean – it's there's no lack of stories that's for sure yeah yeah so do you want to kick it to the first group let's do it all right so this first group we got dom from tailgate uh florida back on then we have wesley from the roll bama roll podcast they're talking more x's and o's this week and then the second interview is fan favorites scott sandlin and frank shotgun scott is a little sad but you know it's still really fun because it's Scott and Frank always bringing the heat. It was a really fun interview. We've kind of been building that interview all season long. So we're really happy to be able to do that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun recording this week. So let's let's go to the interviews and see what they got to say. Okay, first call of the week. It's a big week, the biggest week we've covered so far. SEC Championship Week. Got the best team in the East, best team in the West squaring off. And uh, – We've got Wesley Gullett from Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Wesley, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. And Dom, uh, second week in a row from Florida Tailgate. Uh, a little bit more painful this week than last week, but I appreciate you sticking with us. <laughs> thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, thanks again, guys, for making the time. I'll start with Dom. Um, so, Dom, obviously both these schools have pretty – explosive offenses they've been very explosive week in and week out even last week in the loss of florida had they were explosive and on offense my question kind of goes on to the other side of the ball do y'all have anyone any way any hope of stopping this massively explosive alabama offense a very very small chance of hope we we are completely aware of the deep ball receiving threat that alabama poses um, Alabama has a pool of incredibly talented receivers. Devontae Smith at this point after the Florida loss should be the front runner for the Heisman. If not him, Najee Harris behind him, in my opinion. But uh, Florida's just going to have to put together some sort of creative defensive scheme to figure out how to deal with it because Florida struggled on defense all year. That's what uh, cost the Gators in the loss against LSU. We're going to have to watch the film and figure out a way to stop a way to stop uh, the Alabama receiving core. And then on top of that, Najee Harris and Mac Jones' deep ball threat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so if you guys can't, uh, you can't stop, do you think the offense can keep up with them? I mean, y'all did, y'all did have 600 yards this past week. You had some balls bounce other ways, sometimes off of players' helmets into <laughs> defenders' arms. But, uh, I mean, 
can you keep up with them offensively? I feel like we can keep up as long as the defense is not doing anything boneheaded, you know, no shots at anybody in particular. But the I feel like at Florida, the offense does carry the load of the defense. There was a span in the LSU game where it looked like Florida in the second half after LSU had scored. Uh, Florida scored a touchdown, then forced a three and out, and then Florida scored another touchdown. So Florida, I think the offense really thrives off of what the defense does. So if the defense is giving up, you know, 74-yard touchdowns to John Mechie or Devontae Smith or 40-yard rushing touchdowns to Najee Harris. Uh, it's, I feel like somebody on the Florida Florida offensive uh, unit unit is going to get gassed. Yeah, for Not sure. Well, so, Wesley, let's, let's, let's ask the same question to you. So, Alabama's defense has kind of turned the page. They've Since that Ole Miss game, it kind of looks like that was aberration. But – they did have that Ole Miss game where they gave up like 700 yards of offense. Yeah. Are, are y'all going to be able to slow down this vaunted Florida offense? Cause I mean, yeah, like I said, when I was asking Dom, Florida's offense was still really, really effective against LSU's defense. They moved the ball at ease. They just didn't score when it counted. Are y'all going to be able to stop them? So the, the Alabama defense has been confusing to say the least. And, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of the questions and doubts, they stem directly from the Ole Miss game earlier in the season, which I believe, and I said this on our show, that was the worst defensive performance of the Nick Saban era. They gave up 647 yards. They gave up 48 points. They could not get off the field on third down. Had you asked me that week, and I was being honest, I would have said there is no chance Alabama wins the national championship with that defense. And, and you would not have been able to find a soul in our fan base who wanted Pete Golding, the Alabama defensive coordinator, to step foot back in Tuscaloosa. So <laughs> then some, something happened. They now have, miraculously, the top scoring defense in the conference. Uh, they're, they're 11th scoring in the country. They're getting to the quarterback. The secondary is making plays. There are certain players that are visibly improving week by week. So my only question in all of that is – is some of it fool's gold. So it, it's apparent they've gotten better. There's no doubt. It cannot be argued. But since Ole Miss, they haven't played an elite offense. They haven't played a Florida. They've played Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, Mississippi State. So while I want to eat crow on, on Pete Golding and the defense, I, I'm going to wait until after Saturday because Ole Miss is still – they're lingering in the back of my mind, to be honest. But to answer your question, I think there's some there's some hope there to at least keep Florida's offense at bay some. Uh, I don't think they're ever just going to come come out and completely shut Florida down. But Alabama does have an, an elite secondary. They have an improved pass rush, and it, it seems to be coming together on that side of the ball at the right time. So we'll see. Our fan base, I think, will get, get a lot of questions answered Saturday. So – I'll, I'll jump in here, and while you were talking, the parallels to – Clay and I are both LSU fans, so uh, forgive me. I'm going to interject some 2009 LSU talk here. But um, the parallels continue to stack up. I mean, you guys have a trio between uh, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris who match up with, you know, Joe Burrow, jo Jordan Jefferson, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So you've got the <laughs> offensive trio. Your defense looked horrible against Ole Miss, but they've come on as of late and like have something to prove in the postseason. So I think that's like, 
I said this earlier in the season on uh, on our podcast, but like it's so classic that LSU has the best season we'll probably ever have, and then Bama comes the next year and basically does the exact same thing, just better. It's like God, couldn't you like just give us like two three years to enjoy it? Oh yeah, um, it's, it's straight up just like the '09 Alabama team first championship in 17 years then auburn follow, follows it the next year with uh, yeah. cam, cam newton in a national championship so. yeah make, make everybody forget about it so yeah. let's let's stick with that we're talking offensive firepower um these two teams have special offenses the best two offenses and definitely the sec and arguably you know the nation with maybe ohio state and clemson up there as well but um wesley we'll stay we'll stay with you for the first part Explain what separates Alabama's offense from Florida's offense, and then maybe quickly touch on like what's different about it from anyone else in the country. That's it's such a a loaded question with this offense because it's so many things. Um, And I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a sunshine pumper here, but I'm just being honest. Like you can't, you can't just narrow it down to one sole thing. I think that sets them apart. I think first of all, Alabama arguably has the, the top O-line in, in the country. Uh, Landon Dickerson, Leatherwood, Neil, Deontay Brown, those are all NFL guys. They all have multiple years of game experience. Last week before the, the game at Arkansas, I don't know if any of you guys caught it, but their head coach, Sam Pittman, said, hey, if I had a Heisman vote, I'd just vote for their entire offensive line. So high <laughs> coming from someone who, who has a reputation as one of the top o, O-line coaches in the country. Then, of course – they're blocking for maybe the best running back in the country and Najee Harris. Uh, doubt I'm going to fill you guys in on, on anything you don't already know about Najee, but he's certainly in the upper tier of Saban era running backs with Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, those guys. So he's decent. Yeah, he's, he's okay. <laughs> he's pretty good. Uh, maybe <laughs> something that people don't totally realize about him is how good he is in the passing game. He he's an extra receiver. Uh, he's not just a safety net either. So. Uh, then, of course, they trot out the top wide receiver in college football and Devontae Smith, who right now is making his case for the greatest receiver in Alabama history. So then you have Mac Jones, Heisman contender. What's there to say there? He's kind of passed everybody's expectations. Steve Sarkeesian's been flawless. Uh, God, the only unit that I would say hasn't been elite from, from game one is tight end. And, and then over the course of the last few weeks, they've had Jaleel Billingsley he's finally got some running and he looks like your stereotypical that your modern, modern era, ultra athletic tight end. He scored uh, two touchdowns in the past three weeks. So, so really it's not one thing I think that sets them apart. It's truly a, a culmination of all of those things where you look around the Alabama offense position by position and, and there's zero holes, zero question marks. So basically what you're saying is that you have the answers to all the test questions. Is that what you're saying? Like no matter I mean, what kinda, gets thrown your way, you're going to ask feel, the test? Yeah, it feels like they're cheating. I mean, it yeah. really does on that side of the ball. It's, yeah, I'll second that. Here, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, I mean, you, you guys are LSU fans. You saw the, the first half of LSU. They had a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard receiver, and a 100-yard rusher. In we don't need to talk about that night. We don't need to yeah. talk about that night. It's fine. Yeah, not not to rub it in, but that's 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 literally like it that's who they are. I mean that that's that's what the offense is. It's probably not gonna be the same next year, but uh, I'm gonna enjoy it while it's here. I, I saw someone who posted something and they were like the difference between Alabama and all these other offenses is 
they have such good skill players that they could call these shot plays that most coordinators call two or three times a game. They could call it on every single play and it would most likely work. And it's, Absolutely. it's yeah. talent scheme. It's everything for them. They're rolling. So, okay. We pumped the gas on Alabama. Dom, bring us back down to planet earth. What's <laughs> dip, what's different about Florida this year? What do you like about your squad? What makes you different from everybody else in the country? Like I said last week, Dan Mullen has a very great play calling ability for the most part. Sometimes he runs Kyle Trask a little bit too much. I feel like when we all know he's not the fastest player in the world, but he gets the most out of the strength of all of his players. So Dan Mullen, you know, say looks at a Trayvon Grimes and says, okay, you're good at the jump ball. We'll throw you a 50-50 ball out of the back of the end zone. He looks at Kadarius Toney, who could possibly give Alabama some problems on Saturday. Kadarius Toney can make any, I'm not going to say any defender, but Kadarius Toney can make a lot of SEC defenders' helmets go into the turf with some of the juke analog stick ankle breakers that he's able to do. So Dan Mullen just looks at the strengths of a lot of his players and says, okay, we're going to put you out in space. He looks at Kyle Pitts. You know, we had to talk about Kyle Pitts. He looks at Kyle Pitts and he's six foot six. So it's kind of redundant to put a corner against him, but he's too fast for a linebacker to go against him. So Dan Mullen, you have to create plays around Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes. Um, you just have to look at what your playmakers skills are and then you have to figure out, okay, what can we do? And the offense, to answer the question, offense this year that's different from everybody else's is there's just going off of what Wesley said, there's a lot of weapons and you have to account for a lot of things. If you account for Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney, we still have Trayvon Grimes and we still have, you know, Naquan Wright, Damian Pierce. Our run game is not as good as almost a lot of other teams in the country. Our running backs are very, very skilled at pass game. You know, Malik Davis running, you know, Florida versus Georgia this year. Florida killed them on wheel routes. I feel like almost like 200 of Kyle Trask's 400 yards were just wheel routes. Um, <laughs> we had a couple in the LSU game that could have been completed, but they just, you know, they just dropped it. But the passing game and just looking at your skills. So if our running backs aren't the best at running, Dan Mullen's like, okay, we can have you running a wheel route. You're a fast guy. So Malik Davis, you know, running an angle route out of the backfield. You put Kadarius Tony in the backfield. You just have to look at your players and figure out, okay, what can we do? And Dan Mullen's really good at that. He gets the most out of these players. I mean, Dan Mullen looks at some of these players. And when you look at some of them, it's like, how in the world did he get the most out of this? Kyle Trask, definitely the the poster kid for this. Not having a lot of offers coming out of high school, being a backup, backup quarterback in high school, didn't even get any playing time. Technically, he was Jim McElwain's recruit, but Dan Mullen somehow turned him into a Heisman contender for – 11 weeks out of a season. Dan Mullen looks at Trayvon Grimes. You know, Trayvon Grimes was a transfer from Ohio State. He's turned him into a very good receiver. He's probably going to get drafted um, in the upcoming draft. Dan Mullen's just really good at developing just what he has. Yeah, that's definitely true. With the with the quarterback tree that Dan Mullen has, that's, that's, in my opinion, the thing that he does best. It's truly incredible what he did with guys like Dak Prescott. Last week we talked about Nick Fitzgerald and Kyle Trask. I mean, the, you hit the nail on the head. He literally didn't even start in high school. And now, and until last week was the front runner for the Heisman. I mean, it's kind of, kind of crazy. And that kind of brings me into the next question. We'll start with you since we're talking about Kyle Trask. Both these teams have front runners for the Heisman. Kyle Trask was really the front runner for the Heisman for most of the season this past week didn't really go that well for him. But like, 
Dom, tell me if if there's anything that he can do this week, can Kyle Trask still win the Heisman? Like, what does he have to do to still win the Heisman? If Kyle Trask wants to win the Heisman, I do not think he has to beat Alabama, but I do think that he has to outperform Mac Jones and he, excuse me, he has to outperform Devontae Smith. And it's a little harder since there are two different positions um, involved into that, but Kyle Trask can throw for, I feel like if he throws for 200 yards and three touchdowns, I don't, I don't think that's enough to get him the Heisman. But if Kyle Trask just does something that nobody has done since maybe the Ole Miss game, if Kyle Trask puts up a lot of points on Alabama and a very graceful losing effort, um, scores, you know, 40, 50 points, maybe throws for, he almost threw for 500 yards in the LSU game. So if he miraculously throws for 500 yards in the Alabama game and he throws for say four or five touchdowns, I think that he'll start to get some looks again and people will be like, okay, in the LSU game, he threw an interception, which was a bad interception, and he lost a fumble. The other interception he threw was, um, you know, that was just a fluke with the bouncing off of the helmet. And that, was crazy. But, that was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. That was ridiculous. That was, that was, that was incredible. You, incredible could run that, you could run that play a thousand times and you wouldn't get that same result once. <laughs> I mean, that, was was just, that was just crazy. And was the one thing that's going to happen in the SEC championship game is you're not going to have to do a fog, which right. is always like, always a plus from the passing game. There's going to be no fogs. That's actually in the dome, which is where a lot of football should be played. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the Alabama side. Wesley, you got two, maybe three Heisman candidates. Um, really, in, in my opinion, I think Devonta Smith is is your headliner. What is Yes. Like, is, is should he be considered more for the Heisman? It, like, in my opinion, if he can't win the Heisman this year, a wide receiver is never going to win the trophy again. Never, yeah. So, definitely fair to say a, a lot depends on this game. Uh, and and even despite the LSU game, I think Trask still has a chance. So, today was interesting to see how things kind of changed. I saw updated odds this morning on Sporting News. They had Mac Jones as uh, listed as a minus 300 favorite this morning. Trask was second at plus 250. Then Devontae Smith was all the way in third at plus 1,000. So large gap between the two quarterbacks and then everyone else this morning. Then later in the day, MGM updated their odds, and we saw a massive swing. Uh, Mac was still the betting favorite at minus 200, but uh, Devontae Smith shot up to second, and he was only plus 250. So for the record – put me in the camp of people who would absolutely vote for Devonte Smith, no matter what happens on Saturday. Uh, I think he's the best player in the country. I'm very sure I'm not the only one because the, the Devonte Smith for Heisman talk that's ramped up uh, really since the LSU game, I think his odds obviously have, have skyrocket skyrocketed. And what if we see a repeat repeat performance of the LSU game for Devonte Smith? What if he goes for 203 touchdowns? What if he scores on special teams? Uh, none of that's out of the realm of possibility. So while I think depending on the maybe the winner of the game, it, it could very well be Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, there's, there's that third option in this, and he's gaining momentum, and he could really blow things up for either one of those guys. So let me, let me interject here, and one thing that's kind of like – become apparent in the last I'll say 10 years as universities social media groups and presence have grown is that a large part of a Heisman candidate 
winning the Heisman is their school's kind of media campaign behind them. Um, if I'm saying, you know, using those terms correctly, but like what I don't follow Bama media that closely mm -hmm. for maybe obvious reasons, but um, it hurts me. It's painful, but um, <laughs> what is it's the like following your ex-wife's Facebook page or something? Maybe. Right. It's just, <laughs> always, yeah. Pain, always pain. Um, <laughs> what is the Alabama social media team pumping? Like, are they Devontae uh, Smith, Mac absolutely Jones? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, like, as far as, like, officially from Alabama, nothing. And I don't, I don't really think that we'll ever see that happen. Unless, I, especially with two guys right now, I don't think that, that you know, Nick Saban, like, you're not going to see Nick Saban take the mic after the game and be like, Hey, vote for Devonte Smith for Heisman. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, I think that Alabama is just going to kind of let it fall how it falls and, and be what it's going to be. And then that that's kind of it. And there is some fear there, you know, with the fans and stuff that Devonte Smith, Devonte and, and Mac Jones split votes. And yeah, and, yeah. You know, that hurts That's likely. both of them. Yeah, that hurts both of them, and then that kind of propels Kyle Trask to, to be the guy. Well, there's also this, the fact that all three of these guys are coming from the SEC, so typically, like, regions vote for their candidate. Mm -hmm. But, like, this re like the three front runners are all the same conference. So I, I could see it. I, I, there's even a way that all three of these candidates could split the votes for the other two, you know? I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see for sure, but I do agree with you. Devonta Smith is the best player in college football right now, as much as it hurts to say it. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if, if I was, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't put Kyle Pitts second, if I had a vote, <laughs> I mean, really like, I, I don't think that either of the quarterbacks would be in my top two. Alabama and Florida could literally have, if, if I had five, I mean, I think everyone in college football, you have your Justin Fields who hasn't played a lot of games with Trevor Lawrence down here in the South, I think we can all say a little bit that Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris. It should just be a yeah. five-person table for the Heisman. That's your five. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Dom, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what the hell happened this weekend with Kyle Pitts? Like, why didn't he play? Were we all just that confident? I, I believe we were that confident. Dan Mullen, like I said last week, is is almost as arrogant as the old ball coach, uh, the old head ball coach. <laughs> Dan Mullen probably thought he was going to wax LSU by 29 points or whatever the spread was. Um, definitely didn't cover, by the way. I lost, lost a lot of money on that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Dan Mullen rested Kyle Pitts. He didn't even – as I'm looking at sources, he didn't even get a chance to practice this week. Uh, the ESPN commentators had said that he was asking, like, I think the field, uh, the field reporter said that he was asking to get in. I yeah. think Dan Mullen just didn't think that he needed Kyle Pitts. And when you look at Gamble and Keon um, Zipper, it's, it's relevant. It's when you look at what they've done in the absence of Kyle Pitts with the concussion from Georgia, it's like, okay, maybe he didn't need to play, but no, last night we definitely needed Kyle Pitts. That's, that one's on Dan Mullen. I feel like Kyle Pitts wanted to play. Some of the stuff he liked on social media and his tweet with the um, ellipsis after the game just shows. I don't, I don't think he was wanting to sit out. <laughs> well, that might be an extra, you know, some extra gasoline for him come this weekend, hopefully. 
Um, all right, let's let's bring it to a close. All right, this is a tidbit that I picked up from watching the broadcast last night. So if this is a repeat for you, I'm sorry. But these two teams have met in the SEC championship game 13 times. The next highest, like no other uh, uh, SEC school has played in the SEC championship game more than eight times. So y'all have met five times more than any other team has appeared in the game. So obviously – a lot of kind of maybe you can call it mutual respect or familiarity between these two teams. So let's close by, I'm going to ask you guys each to say something nice about the other team. So Wesley, <laughs> Dom's had the mic for a little bit. So say something nice about Florida for us to close out. Oh, there's, there's so, there are a ton of nice, nice things to say uh, about Florida. Um, common enemies to start with, <laughs> including you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Hey, I, I'm sure, look, He's probably enjoying the LSU season a lot less after after Saturday, but I think up until then we've probably both been enjoying it. Um, so so there's that the Georgia thing. Um, look, Alabama doesn't like Kirby Smart. He he left town. He took a picture of of our recruiting board, took that with him. He showed recruits. So they they've kind of you know c- come up the uh, the rivalry rankings for Alabama, and I know that's that's a big rival for for Florida. So. I've always felt like though there might be some sort of disdain there, you know, between Florida and Alabama, there's always sort of been a little bit of respect there too. And, and you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So there is that. And, and Hey, Tennessee, (laughs) think about Tennessee. I've enjoyed for years. I live in Tennessee. I live in in middle Tennessee. Um, I've enjoyed for years, the, florida tennessee game just watching them repeatedly demolish the vols year in <laughs> year out it's it brings me great joy we're, we're seeing dom light up here and he loves us <laughs> yeah. all right all right dom uh likewise why don't you make wesley's day say something nice about bama all right and this is no jinx intended but i have predicted i think each of the last three years in the preseason that alabama wins the national championship um it hasn't exactly happened in each of the last three seasons, but I've been watching Alabama football since 2007, 2008. This is, it's honestly unfair what Alabama is doing to some of these teams. And if they, I think Alabama wins it this year and all respect to the Alabama, you know, Crimson type football team, Nick Saban, the fans, it's an incredible fan base. They're very loyal. Uh, I think that Alabama wins a national championship. You know, you can, Keep me on records for saying this, but uh, I think they win it probably three out of the next four years, including this year. Ooh, hope you're right, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. now it sucks for everyone else on this call other than Wesley. <laughs> and to kind of piggyback off of what Wesley's saying, so we've interviewed fans from across the conference this whole season, and there's three constants that we've found with everyone. It's that everyone hates Florida, everyone hates Alabama and everyone hates LSU. So we're all just a bunch of people that everyone hates on this call right now. So but you know, you know why people it, hate, you know, that the most hated teams in the country all have one thing in common always in any sport they win. Well, that's right. I, I think that's probably more true for Florida and Alabama than it is for LSU, but Hey, I'll take the compliment. I'm not going to turn that one down. <laughs> Everybody, I'll take them while you're giving them out. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just winning. Everyone thinks Alabama wins too much. Everybody thinks Florida shouldn't win. And then LSU, I mean, just I, assholes. People are, so just yeah, like people are just butthurt from, I guess, 15 and 0. <laughs> yeah. 
never like never having a moment where they couldn't hear about it yeah that's probably a problem all right <laughs> this is a lot of fun guys man i really appreciate it we're out of time but um thanks a lot we'll talk soon all right thanks hey, for, having for having me, me. all right welcome into our second call of the week first call we went a little bit more x's and o's a little bit more technical talk this week or this uh this call we're talking strictly passion we've got um Frank, our Bama fan, our resident Bama fan. Frank, thanks for coming on again. Thanks, guys, for having me. And then representing Florida, as always, we've got Scott. Scott, thanks for coming back with us. I am here. Yeah. <laughs> a, a special special shout-out for Scott for walking into the Lions Den after the LSU-Florida game. We won't talk about it too much, I guess. Um just out of respect. you know we but might as well just tough rip not the to it's tough off. not to let's just yeah let's air out let's the just rip laundry. the bandit off you know let's just have some fun with it scott who throws a shoe man who throws a shoe someone who shouldn't be on scholarship anymore but <laughs> you know i'll no i'll give them the benefit of the doubt it's not you know it, it, there's a foot it's a football game for a reason not a football play um but i i would be remiss <laughs> To not highlight that is uh, one of the many negatives uh, of, of the game. The, the three turnovers in the first half perhaps didn't help, but neither did throwing a goddamn shoe with uh, less I love, than two minutes to go when you could have just given Kyle Trask the ball and everything would have been fine. I loved how Dan Mullen said that uh, at the end of the game, he said, I didn't see it. You know, like, what the hell? What game are you watching? Like, how did you not foggy, see that? sir. Did you see the fog? You couldn't yeah. see – not not 10 feet in front of you. I don't believe that. <laughs> my goodness. He saw, it. He saw well, the shoe. My goodness. Wait, so it's the very best part about it is not dense. even that after the game, Dan Mullen was like, I didn't really see it. I don't know what you're talking about. It was today in his press conference. He came out and was like, yeah, you know, I watched the tape and it was a football play. And then, you know, he ended up with the guy's shoe in his hand and then was trying to celebrate with his teammates and then – Flew, flung it. It's unfortunate that, that was a penalty in today's football game. You know, listen, I, I think He's a we're, we're no, hold on now. We're completely <laughs> overlooking the the climate, gentlemen. The climate that we're playing in. This is COVID. You don't want to touch other people's shit. He's trying to get that out of there as fast as he can to ensure that he and his family was safe. Marco Wilson has loved ones to go home to. It's the holiday season, damn near. He wants to ensure that he's not giving his mother, his grandmother, whoever it may be, COVID. You know what? I commend him for it. And the fact that it was a penalty, absolute bullshit. Are we carrying <laughs> COVID through our feet now? I thought, I thought it was, we, we had to put masks on our face. No, we simply do not have thing. enough science to back up either way. So he was just <laughs> being in an abundance of caution. I wish you. I could say the same for others. Nick <laughs> you know what? I'm, coaching I'm with 20 you. minutes after posting testing positive. I'm with you, Scott, here. And one thing I would – like, my analysis of the situation was like, yeah, I was pumped it was a penalty. But, like, that's about as athletic as you could look chucking a shoe. Like, that wasn't just, like, a chancla throw where someone's just throwing a sandal across the room. Like, he's got an arm. You know what? The ref acknowledged it. He said specifically when on the personal foul, he said personal foul for whatever Marco Wilson's number used to be. Um, throwing the, a cleat 20 yards down the field. That's that's athletic as shit. 
Like that's, you know, that's line them up. Like let's get us a flea flicker. If you know, God I forbid sure we have a Denver Broncos situation on our hands. We have our next quarterback. There you go. And I, shout out to the ref for understanding that that was going to be a viral moment and just take taking hold of it and saying like, I'm not just going to announce this as a personal foul or uh, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. This is an unsportsmanlike conduct. Florida player picked up the LSU player's shoe and threw it 20 yards down the field. Did he say chucked it or did he say throw it? I think he said chucked it, honestly. <laughs> a little bit of flair. Yeah, man, he was working. It was, he knew yeah, where he I mean, was at. He, you know, he was like, this is my moment to shine. Um, it, oh, God damn it. <laughs> what do you guys want? Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> really, we're just here to inflict pain on you, Scott. Um, you know, I wanted to tell you to, to shut up, first of all. Um, and, and, you know, no one really wants to hear what you have to say. And, uh, you know, have a great night. That's it. And the same can be said oh, for you, man. Frank. We don't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Scott, yeah. Scott, these, these these LSU guys have had nothing to cheer for all season, and then they finally win a game of importance. And and they, I mean, look at them coming in here today; they're so excited. And I mean, I don't blame I mean, it. Dicks, it, it dicks took a, are out. It took a shoe being thrown thrown twenty yards for them to win, but they deserve to win uh, anyway. No, no, I you know I I, I agree with that. Um, I'm I'm happy for them because you know we've come we've become friends over these last uh, few few months i'd be a lot happier for them if it was against auburn or alabama or not the gators um but alas uh what it's what makes college football so good could you imagine a player on nick saban's team throwing a shoe what would happen to that person like would he survive it wouldn't happen you know our players have uh discipline okay (laughs) speak speaking of our players you know i i talked about it on this podcast last week about the Devontae Smith and Derek Stingley matchup. And um, I was, I got very excited when Devontae Smith caught that one-handed catch on Stingley. And he once again made Stingley his, his little baby boy. And um, so I'm glad he didn't opt out. Um, that was good, you know, good advice at the time, but I'm glad he, he, he stuck in the game and, and proved he's the best player uh, on the field. So I just wanted to get that in. I, I know you probably don't appreciate it, but I just wanted, wanted to get that in there. Yeah, as always, I mean, we weren't talking about Alabama, but here's Frank. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, wrap, let, let's, let's get into the game. Let's get into the yes. game coming up this week. This is actually going to be a really exciting football game. Um, Scott, I know you're pretty down in the dumps, but these two teams have some pretty explosive offenses, so I think the scoreboard is going to be looking kind of like a Christmas tree. Well, let's go back in the past a little bit. Since SC Championships happened, this matchup has happened at SC Championship game 13 times. There has never been a team other than these two schools that have made it to the conference championship more than eight times. So this matchup has happened more than any other school has made it to the game. Scott, since you're a little down the dumps and let you reload a little bit of glory, what has your program done to continue to have the success and continue to make it to this game? Uh, well, you know, we had Urban Meyer in there for a while. That That's really going to help you. Um, then after that, we, we did have uh, Mr. Will Muschamp. Uh, while he couldn't coach to save his fucking life, he couldn't <laughs> recruit his ass off. Um, also in a time uh, that the SEC East was down in general. Um, but he had uh, the recruits that Muschamp got, as well as just a, an abysmal um, – 
I guess, main schedule for the SEC East. So, you know, we got there a couple times. Dan Mullen's obviously done a great job. Finally got over the Georgia hump this year. Um, been terrible ever since then. But, you know, he, he's, he's still the right guy for the job. Look, Florida is is has been ever since Spurrier got there. And, and hopefully, minus that whole Ron Zook thing that we won't talk about. Um, has been and will continue to be, you know, a, a, a pretty damn good football program. Um, while Georgia's gotten all the love the last, what, five, six years, whatever it may be, however long Kirby's been there, um, Florida's still Florida. Uh, and, and so we're always going to get the good recruits. we got the best uh, football state in the nation as far as high school talent is concerned. So, um, you know, barring a, a, a couple of missed years there, we'll always be in the mix of things. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with the talent that comes out of that state per capita, I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. And that that's, says a lot on why y'all make it there so often. And then the coaching tree that's come through there with Spurrier, uh, Meyer, and now, and now Mullen. I mean, that, that, that does explain a lot. Frank, same, same question. I mean, how, how, how does Alabama continue to make it back here? Obviously I know Nick Saban's there, but before Nick Saban was there, they had a lot of success getting there consistently. So what, what, what are they doing? What are they doing differently? So I think I mentioned it last week. It's, you know, it's one third recruiting, one third player development, and then one third, you know, success and scheme on the field. Um, I think Saban has built his program the way, you know, it runs on a year-by-year basis and everybody knows their job, um, you know, from the top to the bottom. And he, it's such a well-oiled machine and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a snowball and it's, it's going to take a lot to, to stop it at this point. You know, it's once again, you know, our recruiting class uh, on Wednesday, we're going to, we're going to sign the number one recruiting class again. A lot of those guys are from Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, you know, Texas, California. He, he's really gone outside the state of Alabama these past five, six years to find the best talent. And he brings it in, he develops it, and he sends it to the NFL after three or four years. So it's, you know, the, the blueprint, it's, it's not anything special. It's, it's really just discipline, the process. And he's, he's kept it going for, you know, remarkably for, you know, 14 years now. And, you know, that's the reason why we're, you know, in the playoffs or, you know, up at the top at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, you guys both touched on it. These two teams, more than any other team in the SEC or even in college football, have just a litany of legendary coaches who have been through there. I mean, Florida, in recent memory, you guys have Spurrier, Urban Meyer. He, those two dudes are legends, and Dan Mullen is forming his kind of own legacy as a legend. And then, of course, Frank, uh, you've got the Bear Bryant days. And then now Nick Saban, like probably 1A and 1B as far as like best college coaches of all time. So that that goes a long way, I think, as far as like program building and being there every single year. Um, you all stop? Like, just stop doing that? That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> <Sure>, man. It, <laughs> some other schools are resorting to just hiring like defensive unit coaches or like <laughs> offensive line coaches. It's embarrassing. I will say this. Uh, it is – pretty it's pretty cool how it seems like Alabama and Georgia or Florida play each other in the championship game all the time and I think as far as you know as a rivalry between these two schools I think it was definitely a rivalry uh, during Saban and, and Urban those couple of years those were very high profile games and back and forth ever since he left the games really haven't been that competitive in the championship game I think this year might be a little bit different um, so 
I think the rivalry kind of lost a little bit of lackluster when Urban left. Well, so let's let's keep the conversation on coaches, um, maybe not head coaches, but assistant coaches. For different reasons, these two teams are likely replacing assistant coaches in the offseason. Scott, you're already shaking your head no. Um, <laughs> I think you told us this weekend, like, let's no matter what happens, let's get together and flog Todd Grantham. So maybe kind of talk through, all right, Todd Grantham, you're assuming is out. Who are you eyeing? Who do you think Florida goes out and gets, or what kind of person do they go out and find? Dude, pick my fucking mom over that guy. Like, I don't give a fuck who it is. I truly don't. I mean, must champ, you know, as awkward as that would be, like, bring the guy back. You know, there's shit. I'd take Derek fucking Mason over Todd Grantham. Anyone that's not named Todd Grantham, put them in the position. It's, 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 oh God, it's, just, it's the most frustrating thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, it's almost like all you can say. Uh, it gives me, it gives me apoplexy. Like I want to throw up <laughs> thinking about it. Look, it's Monday. It's a Monday. And I, this is like my fourth. I wasn't going to drink this week. I wasn't going to drink. I knew that I had to come here, relive everything that happened Saturday, prepare for just the just dicks in my face. It's going to happen on Saturday, this Saturday coming up. I can't. I can't, I, I, I can't do this. And it's Todd Grantham. Todd Grantham so much part of that. And here I am. He's made me an alcoholic. People are wondering, what happened to Scott? Why did the terrible things happen to him 10 years down the road? Whatever it is. It's Todd fucking Grantham is the answer. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And so anyways, uh, we can repeat who uh, is available that, that would be willing to have uh, and coach for such a pedigree that is the University of Florida. Yeah. Kevin... If Auburn doesn't hire Kevin Steele, he's probably looking to move. He'd be a great hire. Are they going to do that? Because I saw a lot about that today. And, like, is that just the worst – is that the most Auburn thing I've ever seen? I know this, is, this isn't a, about that, but is that the most Auburn thing that we've all ever seen, I think? Oh, no. Hiring a guy that went – I think he went, like, 3-21 and 21 or something at – at Baylor, his 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 only Big Twelve win the whole four years that he was there was like his last fucking game or something wild. Like it, it that's the worst. That's that's the, that's the most Auburn thing I've ever heard. That's the worst hire ever. We should all be pumped, cheer. Yeah. But like, what are they doing? That's a I terrible fucking idea. I think it's smoke screen. I think they're trying to lower everybody's expectations and then bring somebody else in. Um, but if they don't bring in Steele, he's your, he he should be top of your list for defense coordinator. There's a team in Baton Rouge that's going to be looking for a defensive coordinator. We have Dibs. He's already worked here. So he can just come right back in. <laughs> Listen, man, Edda, Edda is busy with his with his little slam piece of a girlfriend. Yeah. She's a junior, I'm sure, whatever it may be. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he's a little he, – he's already done enough searches for the year, right? He already got his five-star recruit, his, his, his money higher, okay? He's, he's done for 2020. She's 30. Thank you very much. She's only half well, his then, age. She is the first lady in Louisiana. You put some respect on her name. Yeah. Well, Orjon's got so much shit going on. <laughs> let's move on crazy. <laughs> all right let's change the subject here frank these sarkeesians likely gone for a different reason he's probably going to get picked up as a head coach somewhere who do you think is the likely you know candidate to replace him or what kind of person if you don't know a name so i hope sarkeesian stays i don't want him to go i think he's an excellent offense coordinator 
if he were to leave, I think we could look at maybe possibly bringing Lane Kiffin back or Joe Brady. Uh, maybe, Jeremy Pruitt back. Well, that's defensive side. So. Maybe if Andy Reid's kind of getting tired of us um, coaching the Chiefs and Mahomes, he'd be a good offense coordinator. Um, Major Applewhite's on staff right now. That wouldn't really be anything too special. So I, I think we can go grab Joe Brady, get him back. Those are all very his, realistic. Very, yeah. very realistic. <laughs> yeah, basically I don't want Sark to leave. So I'm, I'm kind of – Kind of shooting for the moon here, you know. You're in denial a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You think Lane Kiffin would would leave his his head coaching job at Ole Miss and come back to be offense coordinator? Under Nick Saban? No. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I heard they got along great when he was there. Yeah, they did. Very similar personalities, those two. Yeah. Um, they like go to the same the bars. They yeah. go to the same bars. Take, take it from someone who just spent a lot of time on uh, Tiger Droppings and LSU forums researching who the next LSU head coach is going to be. Joe Brady doesn't want to coach in college, allegedly. So maybe put a pin in that one. Yeah, no, I, I, that was wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah he's going to be head coach in the NFL. The, it doesn't matter. He's going to go get Wait, did you, hold on, did, did, you guys, did you guys think that, that uh, Ed O was getting fired? Oh, he was. Yeah, last week before we, before the shoe was thrown, yes. yes <laughs> no, you get it. No, you you get a grace here. They gave him too much of an extension. You get a grace Dude, two years. L- LSU has to put that cleat like in a frame or something and put it in the trophy case because that saved did. Coach O's job. That's <laughs> historic. Right, I was gonna say, Co- Coach O needs that on his fucking mantle for the rest of his life. <laughs> They so, interviewed the cleat on SEC Nation this morning. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill myself. So, so that's terrible. Right, last, last thing I'll say about the cleat: you guys mentioned Ed Ogeron's 30 year old girlfriend. Uh, someone photoshopped a cleat over her face in that famous picture <laughs> with a shirtless Ogeron in bed behind it. So that's yeah, topical. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Real good stuff. Well, uh, so last, last last serious question here before we can start, you know, talking some more shit and having some more fun. Um, both these schools are, just have a ton of experience across the board. At Alabama, you got Devontae Smith as a senior, Najee Harris is a senior, Mag Jones is a senior, um, the entire offensive line are juniors and seniors. At Florida, Trask is a senior. Pitts is going to the NFL. Tony's gone. Yeah, just uh, y'all are just both these schools are going to be completely destroyed by the draft. So, what does 2021 look like for y'all? Uh, that's a good question. We really don't know. Um, is it going to be time for for Emory Jones to come in? He, you know, he hasn't transferred yet. We we kind of you know the the big buzz before the season started, or I'm sorry, after the end of last season was that he would try and transfer out. Um, after this one but obviously um you know now especially with eligibility rules you know maybe we will hand it over to Emory Jones um you know we have a a solid freshman QB coming in this year uh what's his name Richardson uh came in last year I haven't seen him get uh too many if any looks um on the field this year so I mean the the quarterback for for Florida is a a huge question mark going in uh the defense Defense can't get much worse, provided we do what we should, uh, which we already talked about, about Mr. Grantham. 
Um, but it, it can't get worse. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, that, that's a step in the right direction. But, yeah, we're losing a lot of offensive weapons. Um, and, and I don't necessarily know that it's next man up. It, you, you can't replace a Kyle Pitts. It's, it's impossible. I, I think he's a borderline generational player, generational talent, um, especially at his position in college football. So um, that will certainly be missed. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll say if we're going records, nine and three. Um, probably uh, more likely for us next year and, and anything outside of that, you know, I'll, I'll be screaming on this podcast, calling for Dan Mullen's head. Well, Scott, I will tell you, before you say it can't get any worse, I will tell <laughs> you personal experience. It can. So, Listen, you, at least you got a national championship out of, out of your sacrifice that you made. I got a fucking <laughs> through, sh- shoe thrown in fog and just a series <laughs> of terrible things that are going to happen to me on Saturday. I have to go to an event Saturday where there are other Alabama, like there's Alabama fans around who I'm somehow friends with. And I have to sit there and watch them with it while we pretend to be excited about some fucking white elephant gift exchange. I'm going to fucking die on Saturday. And it's all Todd Grantham slash a shoe slash Nick Saban's fault. (laughs) All right, Fred. I'm just going to blow right through this to segue to your question. You can't say What's going to happen in 2021 for the time? Happiness. All right, so we're, <laughs> we're not really losing much of anything on defense. We're, I think we're losing one guy, Sertan, to the NFL. He's a junior. Uh, I think we're going to keep everybody else. Malachi Moore, he's a stud. He's a freshman. Our D-line is young. So, and – Y'all's favorite linebacker, the King, Dylan Moses. He he could always come back again because he's a he's a redshirt junior, um, and everybody can come back because of COVID. To be honest, no, nobody's really losing eligibility. What we're losing a lot of is is talent on offense. We're losing, you know, Devonte Smith, Najee. We've got guys waiting in the wings to replace them. Y- y'all saw Jace McClellan, that freshman running back. Uh, actually, he was committed to Oklahoma for two years and switched to Alabama a week before National Signing Day. So I think he's got a nice, shiny Dodge Charger in his driveway. Um, but the offensive line, we always reload in recruiting. We've got – we have two guys in the top ten in the nation and one's, one's an offensive tackle – both of them offensive tackles. So – we're going to lose our left side of the offensive line, but we're just going to bring guys in to replace them. It's really kind of rinse and repeat. I know, Chris, um, Chris, you've said it before. We always lose, you know, four or five guys to the first round of the NFL draft, and we've got guys coming in or already waiting in the wings to, to replace them. So I know it's not what you want to hear, but the, uh, the train keeps on moving. The process continues, and we'll just reload. Yeah, that hurt. Every sentence that just came out of your mouth physically hurt me. So I know, I know, I just had to had to say the truth. I had to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most painful part is that none of it is like hyperbole or anything like that. Yeah. Um, all right, we're running out of time. Let's wrap up. Both of you guys are very, uh, you know, you've been on multiple times. So let's close by saying something nice. Scott, can you say something nice about Alabama for us? I mean, Nick Saban's the greatest. Uh, college football coach of all time. I don't think that's up for debate. Uh, the only one before that was the other greatest football coach of all time uh, that just happened to also be at the University of Alabama. 
Uh, they've never had a bad day in their lives. Uh, they know nothing of sadness, uh, which I think will affect them in the long run. Um, you know, when God forbid times get tough and what they lose two games in a year or something, you know, let's, let's really make sure that we put Frank on suicide watch, call his loved ones, check in on him, things like that. Uh, but no, it's, how, how can you not respect It's tough to hate something that you respect so much. Um, and I mean, they, you know, it's not that like said it earlier, it's, 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 it's a third recruiting, a third coaching, uh, and then whatever the fuck the other one that you said was. But uh, there's two people that have it all, and it's, it's Saban, and I, I think I'm pretty sure Dabo now. Um, but he's built it. The train's there. Uh, it will, will always be there for as long as he is, and there's nothing that the rest of us can do to stop it except for maybe get lucky every now and then. But uh, this wasn't our year anyways. Um, it's uh, just a bunch of first rounders on the offensive line, a bunch of first rounders at wide receiver. And for some reason, Mac Jones is thrown in there. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough not to respect the, the best that's ever done it. All right, Frank, that was like, that was very nice. I, I was nice. Equally nice in return. He needs to pick me up. Uh, Dan Moen. I'm already I, love, I love his competitiveness. And I feel like he doesn't like to take shit from anybody. And he hates to admit <laughs> things when he's wrong. And especially the, the, the shoe things and, and stuff early on in this year and complaining about fans not there and stuff like that. I feel like he's, he's kind of like a, you know, cousin Eddie just off the cuff and he's very, very competitive guy. And I feel like a lot of the players that he's got appreciate that and play harder for him. Um, because he carries that that mantra on the field, and I think he, I think Florida's Florida's lucky to have him, especially with them being in the East. I think um, I think bright days are ahead for Florida, um, especially with with Mullen staying there. Yeah, not to go on and on, but like to tack onto that, Dan Mullen is like a very small subsect of college football coaches who don't really have that kind of like scummy aura, but also like don't back down from anybody and we'll say ridiculous things about throwing a shoe, being a football move. And like, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I love Dan Mullen. He coaches for a rival of LSU, but I think he's a great person to be in the SEC. He's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Agreed guys. All that. I, 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 I love Dan Mullen as well. <laughs> Dan, Dan, if you're listening. Uh, all right. <laughs> a lot of fun. We got off the rails. <laughs> Uh, hey, man, I, like I really to, appreciate y'all's help. Oh, Frank, you got to finish with something? Yeah, one more thing, Scott. Sorry to pile on. Uh, Tease Tabor used to play DB there at Florida. He uh, he said on Don't his Instagram this. page that uh, Marco Wilson, the guy throwing the shoe, will lock up Devontae Smith. Um, so I just kind of wanted to let y'all know that he said that before the game. And then while you're watching the game and you watch Devontae Smith, you realize Tease Tabor probably shouldn't have said that. Yes, that's so sure. <laughs> right. And T's great Florida player ish. Miss him. Great, great thing. Saw that as well, unfortunately, with my eyes. Uh, and um, yeah, look, I, I thought we had a, a puncher's chance. Kyle Trask has, has played terrible ever since he got his nut off with Georgia. Um, so, you know, we're, we're 
again, I'm attending a Christmas party and someone asked, uh, is the Florida Alabama game going to be on? And I said, no, there's a very strict rule that we're only playing the Utah fire log from Netflix. It's going to be the <laughs> only thing on the TV. It's just going to be that. If you really want to keep up with it, look at the ESPN app. Um, ESPN sponsored, sponsored this uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> look at the ESPN app for either the box score and or watch uh, via the ESPN plus app. Um, otherwise, I'm not seeing that negativity of in my life. I am dead inside and out. <laughs> Take the under. Take the under. Let's close with that. That was perfect. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Thanks all season, man. You guys have been great. Yeah, hey, guys. Thanks so much. Y'all, both of y'all have been super helpful. Thanks so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Have fun on Saturday. All right. Back on the other side. We're, uh, we're here to close this thing out. Uh, it's been a fun SEC regular schedule or regular season, so we're we're getting into the postseason now. Clay, what do you think happens? What do you think we see this weekend? This weekend, you know, uh, well, I'll be remiss if I don't say I texted you earlier today. And I was just like, you know, what really pisses me off is that in the year 2020, when everything <laughs> in the world has gone completely wrong, the only thing that happened, as it normally happens or more often happens is that Alabama and Florida are playing in the SEC championship game. And that really hurts. That really hurts my feelings personally. Um, but as far as the game, the football field, what's going to happen, Alabama's going to win this game. They're probably going to win it by multiple scores. I do think the Florida's offense is good enough to keep it close and interesting at least for three quarters. But Florida's defense is not going to be able to stop Alabama's offense and Alabama's offense is just is uh, Alabama's defense excuse me is going to be able to get a couple stops on Kyle Trask and I don't know who's going to have one of the Heisman after this I hope it's Devonta Smith just because I think he deserves it but we'll see what about you Matt? yeah so you you hit the nail on the head everything this year is different except for the the jerseys I mean they even well you know it's two teams that we see all the time, but they play a completely different style of football than we're used to out of these two teams. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to be a track meet, but I, I think Alabama's defense is not fool's gold. I think they're legit. I think this ends up looking a lot like the Alabama, Texas A&M or the Alabama LSU, maybe not Alabama LSU, but maybe Alabama, Texas A&M. And it's, it's not even close, you know, um, that's just kind of how I see it playing out. They're what do you think good. Bama pulls away? Second quarter. It's not like they, they're going to they're play around with them for a quarter, pull away in the second quarter, and they're going to shut it down by the, you know, halfway through the third. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it's going to be that ugly. And then the score may look more like Georgia LSU last year, 38 to 10, something like that. But uh, they're a machine. They're so good, so talented everywhere. They are going to be ugly in like the – the worst possible way, I think. Yeah, I wish that I could disagree with you, but I can't. The only thing that I slightly disagree with you on is that I think Florida will stick around a little bit longer. But realistically, we're looking at Nick Saban hoisting up another SEC championship trophy, and uh, the reign of terror continues. Do you think he's even going to fully extend his arms? Like, do you think he's going to, like, fully hold it up and then put it down, or is he just going to do, like, one of these? He's not going to do a, a, a symbol. That's for sure. Like a chess pass. Like it's barely easy. Okay, next person. Yeah, Connor Cook. 
in the Big Ten championship game, like just kind of grab it and be like, all right, Max, here, take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Let's close this out, man. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, it's been a really fun season. We're going to try to do some stuff for the postseason, but, uh, you know, really great SEC season. Super fun. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks, Joe.